tuning in every time we drop an episode i really really do appreciate it but let's take this a step further i do see in the analytics that there are a lot of listeners and we have a lot of people coming back to the show but we really really need you to hit the subscribe button the follow button and share the show if you have any other like-minded individuals friends family whoever the heck you want to go ahead and turn on to world of blaze by all means do so <laughs> share the joy that is world ablaze. Anyway, today, um, this is, uh, well, I'm recording this on a Friday over here, and it happens to be out here in America. It's President's Day weekend, and so knowing that this is Friday, and I will be likely releasing this late afternoon or so, I'm going to go ahead and celebrate this weekend by popping a bottle of champagne. Ooh, nice. And I'm going to be taking this glass and cheers to all the hardworking people out there who have an extended weekend and are going to be traveling to have a good time with their friends and families. Cheers to you. Mm. Wow. That's pretty good. That's a good one. Not my normal, not my usual, but pretty good. So anyway, uh, today, and I know I took a bit of a break. But today, we're going to focus on something a little different. Now, it's always about news, politics, government, whatever you want to label this, this show. And, and this, is, this stays a bit on track, but I'm going to talk about food. Hence the name of, or the title of the show for today. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to go ahead and go over a few things that are very interesting to me that have come to light uh, recently. as as I've been um, listening to my wife and <laughs> well, you know, you have to do that. And also uh, another podcast I listen to, um, I'm going to give credit to at Cigar Dave, the Cigar Dave show. And he was talking about uh, how certain things in Europe are banned yet are somehow permitted or able to be used here in the USA. And he did bring up a few examples, which anyone could find online. And I think I even um, may have one of the articles that he referenced. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, shout out to Cigar Dave, uh, a staple in the industry and definitely a um, very informative person. And of course, my wife has always been an advocate for healthy foods and healthy living and eating. So let's talk about a few things. The FDA. What about the FDA? A lot of people know the name FDA. What are they supposed to be doing for us? What do they do? Who are they? Well, the FDA is a federal regulatory uh, body that is supposed to oversee food and drug and its safety and regulation thereof. I'm going to read a few things about the FDA. Now, I've, I've taken a lot from their website itself, and I just want to let everybody know, this show actually kind of took a lot out of me just because there's so much information. Um, you, can, you can go down a very deep rabbit hole when it comes to our food, the regulation thereof, what's permitted in terms of how it's manufactured, what additives are able to be used, 
the safety thereof in turn you know of those additives it's it's shocking and and it's it's just this would have been a five-hour show if i put everything in here i wanted to talk about let's just put it that way it literally probably well it more than likely would have been a five-hour show but i try to condense it as much as possible so go let me let me go um let me go back to what i was originally going to say sorry i got a little sidetracked but the fda uh, taken from their website again. The Food and Drug Administration is the oldest comprehensive consumer protection agency in the U.S. federal government. Since 1848, the federal government has used chemical analysis to monitor the safety of agricultural products, a responsibility inherited by the Department of Agriculture in 1862 and later by the FDA. Although it was not known by its present name until 1930, FDA's modern regulatory functions began with the passage of the 1906 Pure Food and Drugs Act, a law a quarter century in the making that prohibited interstate commerce in adulterated and misbranded food and drugs. Since the FDA has changed along with social, economic, political, and legal changes in the United States, examining the history of these challenges illuminates the evolving role that FDA has played and promoting public health and offers lessons to consider as we evaluate current regulatory challenges. Okay, uh, just reading that is very interesting how at the end, and you're kind of going to get why I bring this up as we go on, but it's interesting how they point out that the history and, and what they do has changed with, uh, with social, <laughs> economic, and political changes. And I'm sure a big emphasis on political and social. But keep that in mind as we move forward. What I want to do is concentrate on food and color additives that are used in the USA. Because the EU has banned so many of these items that are, are still legally able to be used in the USA. Many of these items that will literally kill you. Items that will give you cancer, cause liver failure, even, even linked to why there's such a rise of ADHD in children and adults um, in recent years. So, as far as food colors and additives are concerned, this is also from the FDA website. Now, I'm going to read a few things here that can get a little wordy for sure. But I'm going to do my best to keep everything as engaging and in, within context as possible. So bear with me. All right, here we go. Food additives and color additives require pre-market review and approval by the FDA. And I'm sorry, I should preface this reading by th th this section here from the website um, discusses how these food additives are approved. Or, or the steps taken for it to be approved. So, um, sorry, reserve, resuming now. So, manufacturers are required to supply the FDA with evidence that establishes each chemical is safe at its intended level of use before it may be added to foods. In the case of food additives and color additives, manufacturers submit data and information to the FDA as a petition requesting approval of the ingredient for specific intended use. The FDA evaluates the petition and other existing data and information to determine if the data available demonstrate that the chemical is safe under the proposed conditions of use. 
If the FDA determines that the intended use of the additive is safe, the FDA publishes a regulation authorizing its use as a food additive or color additive. That authorization can be relied on by any manufacturer for the intended use. Now, interesting passage there because it's it's pretty much saying that the industry or food industry, they're the ones who submit their own data, their own study to the FDA for approval. There's nowhere, and, I, and I've scoured the FDA website, by the way, and also other government websites in doing this. And I'll tell you right now, there's nothing that states anywhere that they go out of their way to verify these claims or even go out of their way to test any of these items themselves. They're solely relying on the value or the validity and, and authenticity and the honest reporting of data of the reports submitted by these companies, by these companies in the food industry. Okay, that's very important to note. Again, I, I highlighted it here, so I'm gonna read that back. So again, it says here, manufacturers are required to supply the FDA with evidence that establishes each chemical is safe. Okay, so very, very big red flag there. Now the FDA is there to supposedly regulate and protect us, the common man, woman, child, the, the, the common person out there consuming these products, they're supposed to make sure that they're safe for us to consume. But yet, this here, where they talk about, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but again, manufacturers in the food industry are, are the ones that submit the data. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge red flag and very, very much um, open to discussion because depending on how good they make this look, again, there's many variables in study how long, how many subjects, like, you know, what they tested it on, who they tested on, just throwing things out there. But but I'm sure you're getting my point that they can read this report and go, yeah, okay, looks good. Looks looks pretty good for me to me. Okay, let's pass this. Or also leaves it open for, which we know happens, a little bit of corruption, a little underhanded, you know, here's a $10,000, $20,000 under the table to you in cash. Please let it pass. And then there you go. And we know this happens. We know this happens. So even though they say this, now there's another, there's another side of this I haven't gotten to yet, but there are items that don't have to even go under this process because they are items that they would be considered to be generally recognized as safe. Um, the acronym for that is GRAS or GRAS. So anything that's generally recognized as safe already on that list wouldn't even have to go through this process of being proven to be safe for its intended use. Now, let's talk about grass or the generally recognized as safe items. Again, I'm taking all of this from the FDA website. So under section 201 and 409 of the act and FDA's implementing regulations in section 21, CFR 170.3 and 21 CFR 170.30, the use of a food substance may be grass or again, generally recognized as safe either through scientific procedures or for a substance used in food before 1958 through experience based on common use in food under section 21 CFR 170.3 subsection B, 
Generally, recognition of safety through scientific procedures requires the same quantity and quality of scientific evidence as is required to obtain approval of the substance as a food additive. General recognition of a safety through scientific procedures is based upon the application of generally available and accepted scientific data, information, or methods which ordinarily are published, as well as the application of scientific principles and may be corroborated by the application of unpublished scientific data, information, or methods. Under Section 21, CFR 170.3, subsection C, and 170.3, subsection F, general recognition of safety through experience based on common use in foods requires a substantial history of consumption for food use by a significant number of consumers. Okay, so this is what I know so far after researching this generally recognized as safe um, list of foods, or also grass as they call it. Once, once it's on this list, there is no motivation for them. In fact, from what I've read, they don't even go back to retest these items later on. And it's very important to note that because this list didn't even come into existence till way later. In fact, it even says here for substances used in foods before 1958, there's nothing they're going to do about it because they're just trusting the common practices and experience based on using the items as, well, yep, Nothing wrong. We're good to go. That's 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 a bit alarming. Now, moving forward, though, there has been other items. I'll get to that here shortly. That have been approved under grass. Okay, and they have been done so. So so even then, the way that that's done is also very alarming. But there has been other items. It's just not items since before 1958. This is a bit of a loophole that they use the food industry because. If they can get it on this list through the legal means by which they can do this, you know, as of now, they don't have to go through the extensive lab testing and scrutiny of, of, of a food substance that that is harmful or could be found to be harmful because they, they literally are just saying, you know, based on common practices, blah, 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 that, hey, there's nothing wrong with this. We can, let's just run with it. We're good, right? That, that's what this is. So here's what's very contradictory about everything I read. And I think I just kind of pointed some of that out before I get there. But um, according to the FDA, uh, there's, there's, there's something that came up called a grass notification procedure, okay, which came out after. Uh, this was passed in 1997, by the way. So as of April 17th, 1997, the FDA proposed to establish a notification procedure whereby a person may inform the FDA of a determination that the use of a substance is grass or falls under the generally recognized as safe items, right? Interesting. So anybody can just say, you know, if, if, if they're very savvy and can write something up and, and give enough, you know, manipulative data, if they can do that, they're the ones who are going to inform the FDA of, hey, this substance is actually safe to use and should be just generally recognized as safe. Tell me that's not alarming. That's pretty crazy, by the way. So let me read the subnotes to this. It says the industry can submit, or, or the way this works, the industry does submit a grat, what's called a grass notice. All right. The FDA is evaluating whether each submitted notice provides a sufficient basis for grass determination and whether information in the notice or otherwise available to FDA 
raises issues that lead the agency to question whether use of the substance is grass. Well, interestingly enough, they're not going to do anything to look into an item unless someone tells them that there is a potential threat or harm, uh, you know, due to the item that is being submitted. If, if no one's bringing it up and telling them or raising any kind of alarm, they're not looking into it. They don't care. So the Code of Federal Regulations is what I've been referring to when I say under 21 or Section 21 CFR. That, that CFR means Code of Federal Regulations. Uh, I pulled a lot of information off of their website as well. Code of Federal Regula Regulations Title 21 Part 184 is the direct food substances affirmed as generally recognized as safe. So here's the other alarm to all of us regular people out there in America who are consuming food and buying food. Um, there were over 680 food additives that have been approved through the industry-submitted grass notice procedure. Let me say that again. 680 food additives that have been approved through this grass notice procedure. Again, the grass notice procedure just means that someone in the industry wrote a petition stating this thing, this item, this substance is generally recognized as safe and more than fine for us to consume and add to foods. Now, here's what's even more interesting of the 680 food additives. There are 20% of them because of additives that were added later to this list, but 20% of all 680 didn't necessarily go through any scientific scrutiny or evaluation. 20% were approved just based on these grass notices that were written about these additives. That's it. That's all it took. 20% were approved due to the grass notices that were submitted for those items. Oh, tell me this isn't alarming. And you may think, hey, you know what? I'm 50, 60, 70, 80. You may be 20. You might be 5, 10 years old. I don't even know and care. The reality is everybody's always talking about how people in the U.S. are living longer and longer and longer. The life expectancy has gone up. But you know what's gone down? The quality of life has gone down. Ask yourself. Look this up. I, I, I don't want to derail what I'm trying to do here on this show. But look this up. And why don't you do your own research on this and find out how many people are actually on medications as they get older that are reliant on the healthcare system. See, they may be living longer, but they're not living a quality life. And that's important to notice and important to note and take down and put in the back of your mind here. Lock it up in that vault and, and make sure it's always available to access because you got to understand this. The quality of life is going down, and a lot of that is due to the food that we are consuming here in the U.S., and the FDA doesn't give a fuck. They care as much as if it's obvious that something's just killing people, of course they're going to step in and take care of it. Now, I'm not saying they're the most horrible organization, but they honestly don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. Here's an example. Okay, why does the EU ban many additives in foods, but the FDA, the FDA in the USA hasn't got one single problem with those same additives. 
answer that. Now, I did a lot of digging into items that are banned in the EU for, for consumption in food or to be used in food processing or, or for food in general. I did come across this article from the Huffington Post, um, you know, an organization based in the U.S. That, that did their own report on this. It's not a long, huge, extensive report, but still they did that report, which is, which is great. This came out in um, 2022 by Jillian Wilson. And before I get to that, I'm going to pause and take another sip of my champagne here because <laughs> my mouth is starting to get dry from all this talk. So give me a sec here. I'm going to just sip this and cheers to everyone once again. Mm. Oh, very good. All right. Sorry. Resuming. So Huffington Post, here we go. So this outlines uh, a few things here. They, they, they did this article, or uh, this person did this article by also interviewing Thomas Galligan. So uh, he's the uh, principal scientist for food additives and supplements at the Center for Science in the Public Interest, or also called CSPI. Now I'm going to reference that website, the CSPI, a little bit later here because it's a great website that has an extensive list of food additives and it gives them a rating, you know, everything. And the ratings are like safe, avoid caution of, you know, and then it tells you what it's used for next to it. And then it'll also say why avoid, for example, like it'll say, Oh, it causes cancer or whatever other ailment it may, <laughs> may cause. So that, that website will get to that. Again, that's the center for science in the public interest. So let me go ahead and start reading this. Now, now, excuse me if I kind of jumble through this because you know how most things are online when you try to read it. There's nothing but ads and pop-ups all over the place. So the, the article's a bit broken up. So bear with me as I scroll through this. But uh, to get going, here we go. In the U.S., a few issues make additive approvals a little more lax. Among them is a loophole known as GRASS, meaning generally recognized as safe. Now, I just discussed this, but moving on in the article. Uh, this came into place due to the 1958 Food Additives Amendment, according to Thomas Galligan, the principal scientist for food additives and supplements at the Center for Science in the Public Interest, or CSPI. The food industry is allowed to self-determine that a substance is generally recognized as safe, allowing it to bypass the Food and Drug Administration, he said. Adding to that, the European Union has no equivalent process. Additionally, in the U.S., we have a large number of additives that are grandfathered into the food supply, said Dr. Sheila Sathyanarayana. I probably butchered that name, but <laughs> she is an associate professor of pediatrics and an adjunct professor in the Department of Environmental and Occupational Health Science at the University of Washington. Okay, so that means that some of the chemicals allowed in our food have not actually been reviewed for quite some time. Let me go ahead and scroll down here. So of the chemicals, there, there's a few here on this list that I'm going to bring to light. So here we go. Certain additives should immediately raise red flags, including those not allowed in the EU. Here, experts share which ones to avoid. So here's the first one on this list, titanium dioxide. A recent example of a food additive being banned in the EU, but allowed in the US is titanium dioxide, Galligan said. 
The European Food Safety Authority banned the ingredient last year because of concerns about potential connections to cancer, but the FDA has not taken any action on titanium dioxide following the EFSA assessment, he said. Okay, here's another ingredient, azodicarbonamide. Azodicarbonamide, sometimes found in bread and rolls, is used as a bleaching agent and flour improver, according to CSPI. Here's another one, brominated vegetable oil. CSPI said that brominated vegetable oil is used to give a cloudy appearance to soft drinks like Mountain Dew, but the additive has been a topic of concern since the 1970s. Brominated vegetable oil is still poorly tested today. The CSPI website said it has been found to leave a residue on body fat, and it was linked to the deaths of two people who consume very large amounts of the ingredients. So large amounts, if you're drinking lots of sodas and whatnot every day, this could be a very serious health risk to you. Another ingredient, potassium iodate. Found in bread rolls in the U.S. may also contain potassium iodate, a chemical intended to strengthen the foods, according to the CSPI. The additive is a kind of iodine, and studies show that too much iodine can cause issues like hypothyroidism. Interesting. Uh, another ingredient, potassium bromate. You may find potassium bromate on the ingredients list for your go-to sliced wheat bread or flour tortillas, according to the nonprofit Environmental Working Group. Bromate is known to cause cancer in animals, and the small amount that is used to create a more appealing crumb structure could have adverse effects on humans too. Now, here we go on to food dyes. There are some food dyes, by the way, that are, that are illicitly banned in the U.S. and in the EU. But uh, let's, let's focus on what they're saying here. It says, while not quite a ban, the EU requires that foods containing certain synthetic dyes bear a warning label stating may have an adverse effect on activity and attention in children, Galligan said. But no such warning label is required in the USA. Now, that's very interesting. I'm going to get to uh, a little bit of study that the state of California actually did on that. Of all, all places, California, for as of a dumpster fire as it is under Gavin Newsom's watch, they actually do some good things. So I'll get to that. Actually, uh, let's, let's go there now. So, so here's, the, uh, here's a report by the state of California. Um, this organization is the OEHHA. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's pretty extensive. So I'm going to start here. On this article now just so everybody knows i will as i have been leave all the links to everything in the show notes as much as i can i will leave these links for you to access okay now reading from the article overall human studies indicate that synthetic food dyes are associated with adverse neural behavioral outcomes in children and that children vary in their sensitivity to synthetic food dyes Challenge studies placed the children on a dye-free diet for several weeks and measured their behavior the children were then given food or drinks with dyes added, and measures of their behavior were recorded by a number of standardized methods. These studies demonstrated clearly that some children are likely to be more adversely affected by synthetic food dyes than others. Animal studies indicate synthetic food dyes affect activity, memory, and learning. Cost changes in the neurotransmitters, which chemicals that carry signals from one nerve to the next, in the brain, and cause microscopic changes in brain structure. Researchers also found that all of the FDA's acceptable daily intake levels, or ADIs, for synthetic food dyes are based on 35 to 70-year-old studies 
that were not designed to detect the types of behavioral effects that have been observed in children. Comparisons with newer studies indicate that the current ADIs may not adequately protect children from behavioral effects. For some of the dyes, these comparisons indicate that updated levels would be much lower. So very interesting that the state of California, under their own study, has found that these dyes definitely affect children. It affects their behavior and is a leading cause of ADHD. In fact, in the beginning of the article, it even says that. It says, the percentage of American children and adolescents diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or HCHD, has increased from an estimated 6.1% to 10.2% during the last 20 years. Concerns about increasing rates of ADHD and other behavioral disorders prompted the California legislature to ask OEHHA to conduct the food dye assessment. Interesting that just dyes, dyes themselves, I don't know what these dyes are made of, but how they can affect us, how they, how they can affect our behavior, our, our, our brain structure, the, the chemical or the neurological pathways and how they fire, you know, that's, that's, that's just crazy to me. And California went ahead to make their own study, although the FDA is ignoring these effects, don't even have any, they don't even have any uh, motivation to even look into this, which is, which, which is nuts. It's crazy. As I, as I said before, I was going to go to the Center for Science in the uh, Public Interest website, which was the CSPI, which I referenced in that Huffington Post article. This is a very, very interesting website. I, I really, really suggest that everyone go to this website. It's cspinet.org. I'm going to highlight a few of the uh, food additives and substances on this website. Now you can go, there's, there's a ratings tab, there's an all-purposes tab, and then there's, there's an, like another tab that, has, that, that you can change based on the health concerns, for example. I just went and changed this to cancer. I just said, what... What health concerns in terms of cancer is related to which additives? And there's a few that that kind of surprise me. Uh, one of them here is uh, ginkgo biloba. Okay, well, if, if any of you remember, ginkgo biloba was was pushed as a um, as an additive that would enhance memory, focus, uh, even energy. I believe this was in in or may even still be in a bunch of energy drinks. The uh, ginkgo biloba, it's rated as an avoid on this website, okay? Here's what they say. Uh, pretend benefits beverages. Companies add small amounts of ginkgo biloba to beverages because it supposedly boosts memory and thinking, but most studies in health people show little or no benefit at levels greater than what's added to foods and beverages. Since ginkgo appears to interfere with blood clotting, it should not be consumed before or after surgery, during labor and delivery, or by those with bleeding problems such as hemophilia. Importantly, in 2013, the U.S. government's National Taxicology, sorry, Toxicology Program published the first study that could evaluate ginkgo's ability to cause cancer. The study found clear evidence that ginkgo biloba caused liver cancer in male and female mice and some evidence that ginkgo caused thyroid cancer in rats. All right, so let's go ahead and avoid that. There was also the, um, here's another one that was that was a little surprising. I didn't even know about, uh, here we go, going down here. Oh, caramel coloring, just coloring, caramel coloring. It says here that it causes 
cancer, like literally causes cancer. And this is something that's still used. It's not banned in the U.S. Let me read what they have to say about that. Uh, they rate it, of course, as an avoid. It says coloring used for colas, baked goods, pre-cooked meats, soy, Worcestershire sauce, chocolate-flavored products, and beer. It says caramel coloring is made by heating a sugar compound, usually high dextrose corn syrup, often together with ammonium compounds, acids, or alkalis. It is the most widely used by weight coloring added to foods and beverages, with hues ranging from tannish yellow to black, depending on the concentration of the food. Caramel coloring may be used to simulate the appearance of coca, cocoa in baked goods, not coca, <laughs> appearance of cocoa in baked goods, make meats and gravies look more attractive in dark and soft drinks and beer. All right. So it says, col uh, sorry, caramel coloring, when produced with ammonia, contains contaminants. In 2007, studies found that those two contaminants, uh, they're referring to meth methylamidozole and methyl I, I can't pronounce them but anyway it says that those two contaminants cause cancer in male and female mice and possibly in male rats in 2011 the international agency for research on cancer a division of the world health organization concluded that two and four methylamidozole i presume <laughs> are possibly carcinogenic to humans then the state of california's environmental protection agency listed ammonia caramel coloring as a carcinogen under the state's Proposition 65. The states list chemicals when they pose a lifetime risk of at least one cancer per 100,000 people. California warned that as of January 7, 2012, widely consumed products such as soft drinks that contain more than 29 micrograms of these methyli, I, I wish I could pronounce it, but of those chemicals per serving, would have to bear a warning notice in March 2012 when CSPI published the results of a study that found levels up to 150 micrograms per can of freaking Coca-Cola and Pepsi. So it only takes 29 to be dangerous and cancerous and carcinogenic, but Coke and Pepsi, they found 150 freaking micrograms of this stuff. 150. This is crazy. All right, let's go back to this, this list here. Aloe vera. Aloe vera, this is an interesting one. I didn't know about this one. So aloe vera, it should be understood that it's usually used topically, right? For like sunburns, skin issues, whatever. I'm going to read a little bit about this. And this is also from the same website. All this information I'm getting from right now is from the Center for Science in the Public Interest website. So of course, this is rated as a void as it causes cancer. It's been used in beverages, yogurt, desserts, and flavoring. So aloe vera, which comes from a, uh, from a succulent plant, is sold as a juice and is added to various other foods and supplements. It is also marketed in various skincare products, for example, to treat wounds and burns. Companies make diverse health claims, but scientific evidence is scarce. The National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine of the National Institute of Health concluded that aloe vera may help heal burns and abrasions when used topically, but there's not enough evidence to support other claims. Aloe vera taken orally can cause diarrhea and cramps and is recognized by FDA as a laxative. However, in 20, um, sorry, 2002, FDA banned it from over-the-counter laxatives due to lack of safety information. Carefully conducted studies by the U.S. government concluded that there was clear evidence that aloe vera extracts caused intestinal cancers. Like, seriously? Aloe vera? So do not... <laughs> Do not consume aloe vera. Don't take aloe vera supplements. Don't drink it. 
if it's in your juices or, or putting any foods for flavorings or whatnot, do not consume aloe vera. I didn't even know about that. That is crazy. So, so far, these are just a few items that the USDA allows. Now, let, let me go back to titanium dioxide because we had a little bit of a talk about that when I was going over that Huffington Post article. But according to the Center for Science in the Public Interest, it goes a little further on their actual website. What is titanium dioxide? So titanium dioxide is a color additive currently approved for use in the U.S. in human food, drugs, cosmetic, and medical devices such as contact lenses. What foods contain titanium dioxide? It can be found in baked goods, chewing gum, chocolate, puddings, hard-shelled candies, frosting, dressings, sauces, coffee creamers, among other food products where it imparts a white color. Is titanium dioxide safe? Titanium dioxide was recently banned from use in food in Europe over concern that it could harm human health based on evidence that titanium dioxide nanoparticles present a food grade titanium dioxide can accumulate in the body and cause get this one not just cancer but DNA damage DNA damage CSPI rates titanium dioxide as a void so it will literally damage your DNA it'll it can cause cancer but can also if you don't die from cancer or get cancer it will damage your actual DNA isn't that crazy? Now I think it's time for another champagne pause. <clears throat> yeah. Nice. Okay. So it seems like we can't really trust the FDA. The FDA is allowing uh, additives to our food to be used that literally will kill us and cause harm to all of us. Why are they allowing this? Well, I'm just going to throw it out there. How about money? Don't forget, some of the largest companies in the food industry or related to the food industry are huge and have extremely deep pockets. Don't think that they aren't lobbying hard to gain favor from the FDA as an organization or from people that work in the FDA. Don't even for a second think that doesn't happen. It absolutely does happen. I mean, here's a perfect example. Anybody remember Monsanto? Monsanto, who was a large company, chemical company, by the way, that got into modifying genetically modifying seeds for crop and they were so dubious in what they did in their effort to literally control the world food supply like literally this is not a lie that they would modify the seeds to where they would be resistant to even bees to pollinate or or other other related insects from doing anything i mean they, they genetically made it to where their crop couldn't reproduce through natural pollinization, for example. But, but here's the fucked up thing: if a farmer had a field next to a to to another another farmer's field that had used nothing but Monsanto seeds, a bee could take the pollen from that, pollinate the field of the farmer that doesn't use Monsanto seed, and by doing so, it'll, over time, it will genetically modify that farmer's crop to have DNA and traits and attributes from the seeds from the original Monsanto crop of his neighbor. Now they used this tactic to go and test crops, literally go to a neighbor's farm, test their crop, and then they would say, well, we found that your crop actually has DNA from our seeds and you're not paying us to use our seeds. They would treat... Monsanto would treat their seed program 
almost like software licensing. Okay. You, you couldn't cross, you, you couldn't reproduce naturally. It would have to, if you didn't use their seeds, you couldn't keep using their crop and they would lock you into an agreement and they would go after farmers that didn't have an agreement with them. But because of the pollination of the bees and, and the wind blowing pollen and however it works, they would go after these farmers, sue the fuck out of them, take their land, go so far as to take their land, put them in perpetual debt, it would seem like, and get get them out of business because they weren't paying them for their property or for for their for the rights to use their seed or their crop when in fact the farmer didn't even use their seed. It just got cross-pollinated by a neighbor's farm that had it. So these guys are shady as fuck. Now here's craziness. Bayer. In 2018, Bayer is a huge chemical company. And if you don't know who Bayer is, they, they make poisons, literally poisons um, for farming and agriculture that, you know, kill weeds, insects, whatever. And they, they made a deal in 2008 to buy Monsanto. So how is a chemical company that makes nothing but poisons, what is their, how was that allowed, number one? And why, what is their interest in a company like Monsanto who makes uh, genetically modified seeds and plants. Uh, hey, right here, I found it. Uh, I actually just looked it up because I wanted to find out the amount. Here we go. Bayer acquired Monsanto for $63 billion in 2018. Like, tell me they don't have deep pockets. $63 billion. That is crazy. They, and, and Bayer also owns uh, Roundup, for example. Now, now, a poison company wants to buy a company that makes seeds and genetically modified plants. What the hell's the correlation there? Like, doesn't that get you to think? And the fact that for years, the FDA has turned a blind eye to certain additives and, and chemicals used in foods. If it can just be explained or presented to where, Hey, this should be a generally accepted, you know, substance. There's no issues here. So, you have companies like Bayer going out, spending $63 billion to buy out other companies that have complete visions of world domination and control of the food supply. You have the FDA over here who's supposed to regulate all this. And I know I'm kind of like trying to connect the dots here, but I want you all to think about this. FDA allows certain things, turns a blind eye. You have companies like Monsanto that exist that were bought out by Bayer who owns Roundup who has been sued constantly. In fact, in 2018, there was an $8 billion settlement due to people who use Roundup or were in the vicinity of areas that were consistently sprayed with Roundup that had cancer. And it's still going on today. There's lawsuits in the billions. And this company is allowed to go ahead and buy a food company? I don't understand that one. I mean, look, I get free market and all that, but that seems like a huge red flag and further evidence that there is definitely corruption in our um, government when it comes to our food and food supply and the, the food regulation industry, well, specifically the FDA, right? This is, this is, this is appalling that, that we're going through this, that, that this happens every day. So keep that in mind, keep that in mind. And now I'm going to move it. I'm going to kick the ball down the field a bit more here. And let's let's talk about the alleged cow shortage all of a sudden in 2024. Ever notice how now, 
and I'm not sure if this is tied directly to the FDA, but important to bring up because beef prices have been going up and there has been talks of synthetic beef. Okay, I just want you to know that Italy just ruled that you cannot sell synthetic beef in their country, period. And most of the EU is on board with this. But in America, there has been talks about selling synthetic beef all for the Green New Deal plan, which I'm going to get to later because that's going to tie into pissed off farmers in Europe. I know, it's, it's all going to come together at the end, trust me. Well, I hope it does. So now we're talking about the, the, the production of beef going down because apparently, I did a little research, and, and the reason that they're saying, this was from uh, Feedlot Magazine, and I also went to Cattleman's Association uh, website and whatnot. So uh, apparently, there has been a huge increase in beef consumption, and because of the large increase of beef consumption, they can't keep up with livestock reproduction to keep up with that demand so they're attributing that to why beef is on the decline but they're also estimating that it's going to keep declining for the next few years by by um it's good uh, here actually right here i found it. it's going to decline year over year by more than seven percent seven percent which is the lowest it's ever been since 1970 so that's all of a sudden an issue then Beef prices are going up, all right? Hear me out. And then there was talks about, well, to save the beef population, they're, they're not reproducing because they're getting sick or whatever. And I don't know if this is all rumor or true, but it's very, very interesting that these things have been talked about and have been pushed lately when there are talks of, well, like the World Economic Forum telling everybody that, you know what, we need to get people to eat bugs. We need to get people to be happy with owning nothing. So the FDA, a government organization, is letting things slide for years that can kill us. Uh, now beef is supposedly in, in, um, in rare supply. Bayer buys Monsanto, who was on a, you know, a, a mission to control the world's food supply. Now they're trying to introduce mRNA vaccines in beef. Now you're like, oh shit, what does that mean? mRNA? Don't tell me it's another COVID conspiracy. No, it's not. mRNA vaccines have been around long before COVID, but there's an issue with mRNA vac vaccines in general. M mRNA vaccines, and I'm going to take this from the National Library of Medicine, actually. From the National Library of Medicine, there, there's an article written on the effects of mRNA vaccines, and this one was published in 2023. I'm just going to read the abstract because it's, a, it's, it's pretty long. Um, it's pretty, pretty intense. And I'm going to try, well, I'm going to follow my, my way through it because it's very scientifically written. So bear with me here. In fact, just even from the abstract, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Let, let me start here. It says, furthermore, despite the assumption that there is no possibility of genomic integration of therapeutic synthetic mRNA. Only one recent study has examined interactions between vaccine mRNA and the genome of transfected cells and reported that an endo endogenous retrotransposin, I can't read that, line one is uns unsilenced following mRNA entry to the cell, leading to reverse transcription of full-length vaccine mRNA sequences and nuclear entry. 
This finding should be a major safety concern, given the possibility of synthetic mRNA-driven epigenetic and genomic modifications arising. Hold on. Did they just say that mRNA vaccines can literally, literally change your DNA? Can, can impose things into your DNA to change you? Is that what that's saying? I mean, I know I fumbled on some of the pronunciation of these words, but it's fucking pretty clear. It's right there. So how are we not concerned with that? Now, when it came to the mRNA vaccines in cows, they were saying, oh, well, you know, that was a social media scare. It's fake. We aren't really doing that. Well, of course, of course you're not. Yeah. So then how do you explain, how do you explain the government that is funding research the USDA is funding research, Iowa State, where they're literally researching the use of mRNA vaccines. In fact, this is taken from their non-technical summary. It says, our overall goal is to test a novel mRNA system for inducing immunological protection from bovine RSV infection. We hypothesize that a perfusion F mRNA delivered continuously, continuously by vaccine implant will lead to prolonged and robust cellular and antibody immunity. So literally saying that by, by doing a consistent, continuous implant of this mRNA vaccine, they're admitting that it's going to be changing the DNA of the bovine or the cows to where they will have now resistance and immunity to these certain respiratory or issues and diseases. So it's, it's further admission that mRNA does change your DNA. It has an effect. Now, will eating meat that has been... Um, treated with mRNA vaccines affect our own DNA? Some are saying no, but remember that old adage and saying you are what you eat? In many cases, that ends up to be true. You are literally what you eat in terms of your health and how it's affected by how good the food was, what that food was contaminated with, or for example, if you if you eat uh, big game or hunt bear or whatever, if they're sickly or if they're not eating very good foods themselves because you know, their own poor health or habitat, that the quality of that certain meat isn't as good as it could be. And so you're not getting all the nutrients and everything from that. And it has been shown that certain foods that have a disease, whether they're cooked or not, can still transmit those diseases to you when you consume them. So for them to say that there is no, there isn't any, you know, cost for concern is a bunch of fucking bullshit. So is the FDA raising their hand and going, hey, hold on, let's not do this? No, they're not. They're not. They're being silent. They're acting like the government isn't funding this study. Now, again, FDA, USDA, two different places, but come on. Really? What 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 else do you need to know to realize that you need to start really looking out for your food consumption? You really need to start reading the labels, buying items that are that that are obviously that are actually good for you. You got to do your own research and look at what you're consuming because the FDA is obviously not going to, not, not to the full extent. They don't care as much as they're trying to say they are. Okay. So read those labels and honestly, stop eating, stop eating processed foods. Cause a lot of the stuff that I read off just, a, just a little bit of examples. Now, if you go to the CSPI's website, um, actually the center for science, uh, public interest website, and, and you read through all the, all of the items on there, it's a pretty fucking long list, all right? It's a long list. And many of the items on there are actually banned in the EU. But in America, 
They're letting us consume it. They're letting the food industry put them into the foods. And a lot of it is in processed foods. So just stop. If you think about it, why do we need 680 additives to the safe food additives list? Like, why do we need that? How simple is it? If And a lot of us are so busy in today's times. I get it. It's hard to sit down and, you know, cook potatoes and eat grilled chicken and whatever it is, whatever type of meal you're into, but to make it from scratch with quality ingredients, not all of us have the time. So it does make it hard. It does make it hard to make those choices, but but when you're shopping, instead of buying things blindly because you just want to get out of the store as quick as possible or you're just trying to buy you know, the most cheapest item, turn the damn thing over, look at the label, and read what's in that. And I guarantee you're going to find some of the chemicals that I just discussed that cause cancers, ADHD, uh, respiratory health issues. I mean, you name it, the list is long. Think about Think about the fact that, again, as I said, 680 additives that are approved for use, but look how simple it is just to buy a fucking potato, cook a potato that has many nutrients in it, by the way. It's got iron, it's got potassium, it's got vitamin C. That versus a ready-made meal that you could throw in the microwave. There isn't 680 additives in potatoes, okay? But if you go ahead and buy a a pre-made you know, mashed potato bag or whatever it is, you know, that you can just warm up, as I said, in the microwave, there's going to be a bunch of junk in it. Now, how do we go from, from a potato that all you have to do is, you know, blend up, mash up, whatever, to a package that contains Lord knows what the hell's in it. So read the labels, make smart decisions, and, and guess what? You're going to have a healthier, better quality of life. All right, that's all I have for this show, I think every single one of you for sticking in there and really listening to what I had to say about this particular topic. I know it was a lot. Again, for everybody out there listening, you have to hit the subscribe and follow buttons. Look, we're everywhere. We're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, Apple, you name it. We're all over the place. But if you don't hit that subscribe or follow button, it really throws off the analytics and we really need everybody to start doing that. And don't be afraid to share the show. Remember, we're also all over social media. We're on X and Truth at Fonts Ablaze. We're also on Facebook. And again, if you have comments, questions, you can also email worldblaze at fontsmedia.com. That's F-O-N-T-E-S media.com. Once again, Thank you, and we'll see you next time.